When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, folks. Mark Ludlow here at the Fearless Mindset Podcast. How do I stand over you, Brian? Do I stand okay? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, okay. Folks, uh, this is Mark Ludlow, as you guys know, and you're probably tuning in. And uh, this is our, I don't know how many episodes we're at now, but we're on a year and a half from the show. We just bypassed 7,100 downloads in uh, 14 months. I think that's a pretty good sign of support by all of you out there. And uh, today we have a special guest. I'm going to call Brian Anderson my Christmas gift to the industry. And we'll be launching this before Christmas. How does that make you feel, Brian? <laughs> a lot to live up to. <laughs> a lot to live up to. And so, folks, uh, yeah, you're going to want to tune into this. You're going to want to be someplace where you're probably just watching Netflix. And you wanna, you're going to want to hear this story because Brian has a lot of meat, a lot of experience, Marine Corps, uh, law enforcement. He was a motor cop with Santa Ana PD. And he did a lot of undercover stuff, crazy wild stuff. And then he went into the executive protection industry. And we met 15 years ago in Southern California, where he was working with a very high profile client. I'll let him discuss that. As you guys all know, I don't discuss my own people that I work for, typically because of non-disclosure agreements. Brian's about ready to go retire in the sunset in Alabama here soon. And and uh, he's now in the corporate arena where he's the senior vice president of security for a bank. And I'll let him let you know if he wants to tell you that. But I'll just say a bank for now. And uh, he's got some great stories of operation, advanced work. He's, he's protected some of the highest profile celebrities in Hollywood. He's been around the world many, many times. And uh, this one will bypass any podcast and security you've heard. <laughs> and... Brian's got some personal opinions about training and stuff. We'll do a deep dive in that, but be prepared. We're going to go a while on this. Might be a couple episodes, but I uh, also got my t-shirt. We'll be doing a rebranding of my t-shirt as well and uh, putting an American flag on it. We'll be uh, selling them online here soon. So we'll make that announcement. And uh, we got some sponsorship stuff coming up too. And uh, Robert Dodge just called me yesterday. We booked him. He is now the CEO a Peshore Security, I probably mispronounced it. It's a Spanish company. Now he's the CEO of their corporate global risk. And uh, if anybody knows Robert Dodge's name, he's a legend in the corporate side. And so that's coming up in a couple of weeks too. So we have a busy December. So with that all said, um, if you want to get a hold of me, um, levelsecurity.com. I have a security company and I've done a lot of work with Brian over the years. And I have also a consulting firm. So Sorry about the long intro, but uh, we'll get that out of the way. And uh, Brian's got a lot to share. Brian's in his uh, bar there in his patio in Orange County by his pool, relaxing with a cigar on a Saturday. Doesn't it feel good not to be working for some idiotic client out there that's barking orders at you? <laughs> it's like a dream. Uh, I'm going to correct you on one thing, though. I, uh, I didn't work Santa Ana PD. I was a game okay. cop. Uh, my okay. wife was a motor. Oh, my bad. My bad. She did the she did the cool job. The cool stuff. Yeah. Brian and I go back. When did we meet? 2000 and when? Um, and it was it's been about 10 years, I think. 
Holy crap. Wow. I, I was thinking about that earlier. Um, we were working in LA uh, for a company. A and company? I don't remember. Yes. I don't remember the full story. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a, a wealthy family. Um, happened to be yep. Jewish. And uh, they had, a, I don't remember, it was a crazy son that wanted money uh, out of a will or something. Um, and you Sherman were, Oaks, right? Yeah. You were sitting on the house at night. Uh, making sure this guy wasn't going to come over. And, and I came over to relieve you. Um, and uh, we found out we were both Marines and we started talking and, and uh, downhill ever since. Wow. That goes years ago, years ago, back when I, I was just getting in the industry, I think, in the corporate side in L.A. I, I, I was, too. I'd just gotten in about a year prior to that. Wow. It must have been past 2008 because I was already in the mix and I just got hired on. By that company we were both working for, and so yeah, yeah I was yeah. I think it was like 2010 or 11 because okay. I uh, I left the police. I was still a cop in 2008. Wow! So, folks, time flies. It's flown by so fast. Now we're 2021. You know, you know, 10, 15 years later, we both aged, as you guys can see. We got some salty experience. Brian looks like he's gone a little gray and, uh, you know, gets uh, COVID weight a little bit. <laughs> that's from the industry. That's where I got the gray from. <laughs> and, yeah, one thing you learned, Brian, from the industry is uh, the work-life balance of family. I mean, you went through hell with the EP industry because you were in such a man by that one client that you had. You're traveling all the world, and you didn't have a life. And uh, you, you went through some hard times with your wife and your kids, and you had to make some hard decisions. That was the best decision you ever made in your life. Yeah, I'll tell you for, you know, and for people listening that are deep into this industry and or experienced at it and true operators, they understand it. Uh, people that are wanting to come into it. Um, that's something everybody needs to know. It, it sounds glamorous. It sounds cool. Uh, and it has its great moments. But being married uh, with with three small kids at the time. Um, it was difficult. My wife worked full time, um, you know, as a motor cop and was, was gone, uh, you know, four or five days a week without overtime. And we're trying to figure out kids schedules with in-laws and, and stuff while I'm sitting on a hotel bed in Japan, um, getting news from the client that we're not going home that day. And, and, you know, that's a, I remember those days of getting everybody's stuff ready, getting the, the, the carts in the hotel, loading everybody's luggage up and standing outside of a door just to, to have a, a client come out and go, hey, I'm going to stay another day. When your whole life at home is planned around schedules and kids and, you know, rehearsals for, for choir and stuff that you have to be at. And to hear a client say that, I remember going in and sitting on my bed and holding my phone in my hand for about 15 minutes scared to call my wife because here we go again. You know, I'm going to, I'm the guy that's going to disrupt everybody's life because of my job, but it was a job that I, I, I truly loved. And it was a job that I took extremely seriously. Um, I, I got a lot of opinions on that. I've worked with a lot of knuckleheads. I've worked with some of the best people in the industry. Um, but it's a job that if you don't take it seriously, don't, don't, bother getting into it it will not fare out well for you if you're not serious about your job you know it's that. like you have to you almost have to have reckless abandonment all in almost like you know as you go in the marine corps boot camp you have to be all in it's almost the same psychological makeup going through boot camp 
you you embrace a lifestyle because that's what you want to do. It's in your DNA to protect people. That's what you love to do. And uh, and then yeah, you you sell like we talked last night. You sold yourself to the your soul to the client. You sold your sell your soul to the industry. That's what it takes to be successful. And a lot of guys want you know they want to jump on that like big gig. They want to be an EP agent. They want that success now. But it took you years to get there. I, I've seen it a, a thousand times too, where you know you've busted your ass to get into a position, and you got guys that just want to walk into it without putting in the work and make the money that you're making doing it. And, and let's be serious, you can make a living off of it, but you know as well as anybody, you're not getting rich from doing this job. Um, you're 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 working around a lot of money, and you'll do decently especially if you stride, you know, strive to get to that point, uh, you know, with big name clients, you're never going to come rich. You're, you're still chasing money, just like every other job. It's, uh, and, and people think they can just walk in and, and get that big client and they're going to be good. And it's just not that way. I've seen a lot of, a lot of, a lot of problem guys come into to details uh, and you know, they're going to be a problem right out of the gate. Right. Uh, especially when you're traveling, you know, you got guys that want to go out at night when your shift's over and you put the client up, you're in wrong for the business. Um, people just don't know the dedication it takes to, to work a client like that. I, I remember dehydrating myself. <laughs> so I didn't have to go to the bathroom all day because I know we had a busy schedule and, and I, what do you, there's no bathroom breaks. There's no telling somebody, hey, I'll be right back. Um, so, you know, I'd go back into my room at night uh, or early in the morning whenever we got home. And, and it was a try to hydrate, get something to eat uh, and recover from from those days. So it, it's that kind of dedication it takes to to be successful and, and to be good at your job. Yeah, like you said, hydration, you might be on the road, you know, with a client running shotgun. Chase car or principal's car, and you got to hold it. And all of a sudden, you ate something bad, it's tearing your stomach up, and then you're bl- getting blowed up right there in the passenger seat. And you got to tell the driver, oh, We need to make a stop to go somewhere because I just ate something that didn't agree with me. And you might you might laugh at this, guys and gals that listen to this. You might have to, have to get some depends, adult depends, because if he has issues, guess what? Getting a little older, you're gonna, you start having problems. And this industry starts beating the crap out of you because, like, you can't hydrate. If you drink it all day, like you're supposed to, a gallon of water, do you think you can do that gallon of water and hold that for 12 hours and go pee once? No, no. You, you got to – I've gone one meal a day drinking one little bottle, one liter a day, just to get it through a detail for three months. I've done that because I knew I didn't have a bathroom. And you have your car, and then you have to, you're sitting surveillance on a car, and you got to go pee in the bottle. I mean, I'm just being honest, folks. You don't get the guest house. That estate does not always get the guest house at times. You have to go down to AMPM or, hey, sir, can I give you 20 bucks to use your bathroom at McDonald's if this is not even locked up with a code for, in West Hollywood, if you're lucky. <laughs> I tell you, it, it, these are things that, that if you're a, a new person coming into this, you don't think about. Uh, I think I got a little experience with it because there's no bathroom breaks wearing mop gear. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so you, you kind of learn quickly, you know, how to, 
how to manage that kind of stuff. But it, it's a reality. Uh, I remember being in Japan on tour. Um, I was uh, I did a, a tour with Nicki Minaj and uh, I was backstage um, in a small town in, in Japan. And, and I was eating the vegetables that they had put out for the catering. And um, they had chicken and some other stuff. And the guy that I worked with, he was making fun of me because uh, all I was eating was was the broccoli. And he goes, he's like, are, are you a vegetarian? And I'm like, no, but I've never had chicken thighs cooked in, in Japan before. And today's not the day that I'm going to risk Ooh. having that issue. And, and he made fun of me and he grabbed some chicken and, and filled up his plate. and He bit into the chicken and it wasn't cooked all the way. It was raw inside. And, and I laughed at him and I told him that, you know, these are the things you got to think about, because if you don't, you're right. Next thing you know, you got a bad case of uh, diarrhea. And, and how does that help your client at all when you can't move? Um, so y- you deprive yourself of things that are normally a luxury in, in your day to day life. And but you're doing it for somebody else because that's what you signed up for. You signed up to protect that person and, and you do it at all costs. That brings back a memory. I was with, uh, you know, Anthony Rodriguez and uh, Mike Cannon. We're down working with our, uh, we had a, a high profile client, a uh, person from Asia. Uh, it's all over the internet. So I'd probably say Jack Wu and uh, not a big deal because you can find us on YouTube. Anyway, Jack Wu liked to, you know, he liked to take everybody out to dinner. So we went to Anaheim, somewhere in Anaheim, some hole in the wall Asian place. And uh, we're sitting there and uh, my, my ex-girlfriend says, she was a senior executive director at Kaiser Permanente. And she always told me, always check the bathrooms. If they're spotless and clean, you know the food's going to be great. So I walked into the bathroom. Holy Kalito. It was nasty. I looked at the kitchen. It was nasty. I went back. My bud, my partners, the EP guys that I was working with, Mike and Anthony, they're just eating the plate up, eating the plate up. And they're going to eat anything. I think I'll have bread. <laughs> I drink a soda for bread. That night, they're both on the in the john on the toilet all night long. I'll, I'll save you guys the 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 the, the, you know, the, the graphic scenes and verbally, but uh, you can imagine what their night was like. They had both had food poisoning for three days. I didn't touch it; I was fine. But those are the things. Like if you're working, protein bar, it, you know, peanuts, almonds, or something like that. Something that's safe because you don't have time to say, "Oh." I'm sick for three days and you just lost $500, $600 a day. So that, that stuff does happen. And that's something that EP schools don't teach you about on your diet. They don't go into dieting and out food allergies to that extent. And uh, a lot of places don't. I'll tell you what, uh, when I started this, this venture in my life, I had left the police department and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and it's funny because I, I look back on now, you know, growing up, um, I'd watched the movie, uh, the bodyguard, you know, before I never put any thought into it. Uh, you know, it's a movie, it's entertainment. And, um, here I am sitting around 2009, 2010 area. And I, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I got to change my career path and, and I'm going to do something different. And I remember I called my wife, she was at work. And uh, I told her, hey, I'm, I'm going to go into executive protection, what I'm going to do. Uh, and, and she was silent on the phone for a minute. And, and she goes, uh, OK, if, if that's what you want to do, I'll support you in it and go go do it. 
Um, so I started looking at schools. I figured, okay, you know, here I, I come from a police department. I've been to SWAT school, been to investigator school. I've done all this stuff. And, I, and my mindset was, well, if you're going to do this job, you better get as much training and knowledge on it as you can. So I found a school up in Ventura. Um, it was a three-day bodyguard course. And I went to that. And, and I'll tell you what, there, there was a bazillion bodyguard courses to look at. Um, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. ESI, I think, is like one of the big ones. Right. Um, you know, I ended up going to this this place called Bodyguard Training International. Um, didn't know anything about it. Um, called him up. I paid my money, and I went up to Ventura for three days. And I remember thinking that they had a great training staff at, at the time, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, and I, I met a guy that I, I always kind of looked up to, and I, I've reconnected with him a few times over the years of bodyguarding, a guy named Rick Sweeney. Uh, I remember being really impressed by Rick. Uh, he's got crazy stories. Um, the guy's done ridiculous stuff overseas, contractor, uh, French Foreign Legion. I mean, the, the dude's just a great guy. But he had a lot of insight and a lot of knowledge. Um, and And then – the other parts of the staff had a lot of a celebrity experience. And, and I remember thinking, mm, you know, I don't want to use the word cheesy, but I thought some of this is so repetitive or whatever. As the years have gone by and actually going and doing the job later, I realized it was a great school because they didn't focus on a lot of things that are useless. They focused on, day-to-day operations one-on-one with a celebrity in LA and how to manage. And and they did teach about dehydration and uh, what to eat, what not to eat, you know, things that at the time I thought were a little goofy. Little did I know later down the road, those things play into your day-to-day operation, right? Um, They did a thing at the end of the school, uh, which was awkward, but it was, (laughs) You know, they'd have actors come in, people they knew, and you had to take them to the local mall in Ventura and try to be their their bodyguard without really being noticed. Interesting. And I remember it being so awkward because you're with somebody you don't know and you're tailing them around in, in the store or right next to them and, and you're trying to act like you're normal in, in the mall, right? And people are looking at you and stuff. Years later, I went to that same mall with a celebrity. And I started laughing at myself because I was doing the exact same thing that I had done in that school. It's just the only difference was everybody knew who I was with. Um, and, and that's something that if you want to be a bodyguard, you want to you you want to go work a celebrity in L.A. You're a one man team a lot of the time. Um, you don't have an advanced team. You don't have a lot of this. You're working for these companies that, that they, they barely got enough guys that are good enough to go out and work a celebrity and you're working in shifts. You don't have somebody that's going to go advance that mall for you when you're driving down the 101 and, and this person looks at you and goes, hey, I want to go to the mall. Like, well, we're going to the mall and, and you right. you can sniff a phone call into security in front of your, in front of your client. That, that's the kind of stuff you have to learn to adapt to and roll with. And it's not easy. It's very difficult. And most of those celebrity clients, they don't want to spend the budget for a team to be in advance. They don't oh, want to spend we, the money. We want to go down that road, Mark? Woohoo! Let's light it up. 
Let's light it up. Uh, the industry is great. The concept of the industry is great. What ruins the industry is a security company. Oh, oh, ouch. Hard and, truth, hard truth. But you know it's true. You know <laughs> that is the number one evil of the executive protection industry is the security company. They get the contract. Everybody's trying to lowball everybody. The, the, the celebrities management doesn't want to pay too much for security because there's a guy out there that's only charging them like 35 bucks an hour and paying his guys 25. Ooh. And when once <laughs> the guy gets into business and he works for one big client, they think that's the way everybody works. Right. And so it's a, it's a big game of who, who can pay a decent amount and still make money on the contract. Right. Um, and they don't care. Executive protection agents, those companies are, it's like a puppy mill. They, you know, <laughs> just keep pumping them out. One guy doesn't work, they'll get another. Um, <laughs> and that makes the industry hard. It and, is. It makes it brutal. It's very competitive. You got to find, I got extremely lucky. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I worked for two companies over a six year period. That's it. Yeah, it's going to be good longevity. Yeah, you had a good, a brand name for yourself. Uh, you had industry reputation, which was great. And uh, people knew that knew you in the industry, knew who you're working for. And that helped you too. And uh, the guy that you worked for was, uh, yeah, he provided, he gave you a job. <laughs> he gave me a job. Uh, yeah. and, and I had to manage that. I, I could have jumped other places. Yeah. It's like, you know, I know some great guys. They were different companies at a time. And, yeah. and, they're, and they're hustling all the time. And, uh, one guy and folks in out. California, you can do that. Cause a lot of folks don't know this. Like in Texas, you can only work for one company, hang your license under one company in Texas and different other states are like that. Big California, you can work for multiple companies, but however, in California, you have to be W2 as an employee now in California. If you're going to do UP stuff, you're supposed to be W2 by the laws of labor laws of California. They changed that. It didn't be, it used to be that way. And everybody's 1099 and all this other stuff in California goes, Ah, there's money to be made on this. Tax, 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 payroll tax. And now the business business now people are like, I noticed a lot of details got shaved off and COVID hit. Everybody got laid off. All these details, everybody went home. So oh. Yeah, that was a big thing. I think that started to change when I came into the industry because you know, a lot of guys were getting 1099s uh, on a day rate, right? Yeah. Uh, California law changed so much of that because one, you're not allowed to be a day rate. You know, nope. it's, it's got to be an hourly um, gig. Right. And and guys were having their own company names and, and trying to still 1099. And employers couldn't do that anymore. That You had to come on at an hourly wage um, or, or they couldn't do it. Um, where it became a huge issue is the overtime as well. Right. You know, um, I and I think is what a lot of companies did is they tried to skirt around it and made a deal with you. Like if you were comfortable making 600 a day. Um, and you guys agreed to it mutually. That, that's what, that's what it was then, you know, back, back then you could get away with that. I don't know if you can do that anymore. Um, you know, I've been out of the industry for a little while, so I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, you know, you got breaks and you got lunch hours you got to give. I mean, there's so many things that is not conducive to a bodyguard's lifestyle. Uh, Especially in the celebrity role. I mean, the right? celebrity there's role. no breaks. There's no yeah, people, people you don't understand the celebrity world, the different animal than the corporate security, two different worlds completely. 
you're at the mercy. You're like, I call it the adopted stepchild syndrome. Yep, you're the bodyguard, but you're basically adopted stepchild, and they don't want you around anyway. They don't even want to look at you. And I know one principal, if she sees you, she fires you. <laughs> you know, I think everything that I've done in, in the celebrity world and, and doing the executive protection was great. Going to the private sector and working for a bank, I, um, I was given the opportunity to start my own executive protection program, um, which was harder than I thought. Having done the job, but then running that same position is, is two different things. Uh, but we did it right. And, you know, I, I contracted out with a security company and, uh, you know, it was an hourly paid job and they got overtime. And those guys made a lot of money. Uh, working in the corporate world versus I went back doing the same job uh, for security companies with celebrities. You, you didn't make overtime. You, nope. you, you got your day rate and, and that was it. Um, so I, and, you know, my thing was, look, I got screwed over numerous times on jobs uh, with both companies that I worked for, but I wanted to make it right when I did my own thing and, and pay those guys what, what they deserved and what they were out there actually working. Uh, make get that money, and, and they did. They did extremely well. Now that that ended be, not because of me or the team that I had put together, but um, you know, CEOs and people who own banks they they do their own thing and they messed it up for themselves. So it dissolved my program at the end of the day. But uh, you yeah, know, you went through a lot of stuff. Your first couple of years in that corporate position, you got it's like holy crap. These C-suite executives were doing some crazy wild stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different. That's a whole different ball game, man. That, that's uh, yeah. I'm not going to go into detail. That's uh, yeah, that's probably NDA stuff there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we can't get into that. But exactly. But yeah, holy crap! I mean, that was a learning experience for you on how to put fires out on your end from a corporate security side, and all those all those little fires you had to put out with all those. Uh, characters and actors, I'll put it that way. And uh, that's something you never dealt with in celebrity world. And it's like, holy cow, but you, one one of your, you know, uh, people that you reported to just uh, had little behavior issues and you had to deal with it from running the security program. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wasn't expecting, I, I've seen some crazy stuff in the celebrity world. Uh, I thought going into the corporate side, it was going to be a nine to five and uh, easy going gig. And let me tell you, it, it was not, I had, I had guys that worked for me, calling me going, dude, I got nothing to say about this. This is crazy. You know, that these, you got these young executives, uh, with a bodyguard who got a lot of money and, uh, you know, they're, they're keeping them out all night, uh, doing crazy stuff. Uh, I had one guy call me in the middle of the night one night. Yeah. I, I wake up and I answer his call and he goes, dude, I, I'm playing a game with this guy and his friends on who weighs the most for money. <laughs> I was like, what? Hey buddy, uh, you're getting paid by the hour. So uh, put in your play game. Yeah. Play the game. Uh, but didn't see that coming on the, on the executive uh, level. Uh, right. I don't think I ever saw the, uh, who, who weighs the most game uh, in the celebrity world. <laughs> wow. Now, as far as uh, training and stuff, I know we mentioned last night on the phone, that training, you think uh, there's some legitimate training schools and some other training things that you want to talk about too, because you yeah, think well, training is so imperative to be successful. Training is is imperative to any job, right? You can't yeah. be good at your job unless you train for that job. Um, 
you know, I was, I was on, I was fortunate enough to, to be on a SWAT team and uh, training is everything to a SWAT team. You can't go um, execute a search warrant if you don't know how to do a search warrant. Right. So to me, I, I took that same attitude in, in into bodyguarding and, uh, and I laugh because there's, there's these schools and they'll charge you a ton of money and they train you like the secret service. Uh, you got a team of eight guys and this guy's going to open the door. This guy's going to advance the location. And this guy's going to be waiting for you when you get off the plane. And none of that shit happens when Ooh. you're, when you're the celebrity, you, you might have Ooh. a, I mean, I think the most I've ever had on a travel team was three guys. Mm. And I had to beg for the third guy because I've already been through a, a, a tour overseas halfway through it. And, and we couldn't maintain anymore. You know, it was getting too difficult. And uh, we, we were fortunate enough to get the third guy and uh, he advanced for us everywhere he went. We had to have two people with a client at all times. And um, this guy just traveled ahead of us and, you know, advanced everything for us. You're not going to see that on a day to day basis, uh, working a, a detail in, in L.A. It, it's Never. just not. Well, the celebrities don't want to pay it. They just don't want to pay that price tag. Right. You you can suggest it all day. Right. Um, Recommendation. Yeah. Y- you can tell them, Hey, this is the way it should work, but you're right. Nobody wants to pay that extra money to make it work the way it's supposed to work. There's a way it's supposed to work in a way it's not supposed to. These schools that we're talking about yet, you're never going to have a guy, you know, an eight man team. That's not going to happen. Um, so you have to make do with what you have. And, and I'll give the companies that I've worked for in LA, we, we did the best that we could with what we had. Right. Uh, but it's difficult. You're doing a lot of the advanced work on your own. I remember sitting in, you know, SUVs uh, with an iPad, you know, Google mapping things so I could see where the entrance was, the exit was, and try to get a street view. And and then that was my advance. Let's let's go. Um, I was fortunate enough, um, you know, we'll start it out this way. Okay. Last night, you and I had a long conversation and, and I told you that, you know, hey, I'm retiring. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the industry and stuff in seven months. And right. uh, I'd be a little bit candid in this. I'm not a guy that, uh, you know, all these years I'm, I'm pretty guarded about outside of family and friends. I'm pretty guarded about who I work for. Right. Sure. And I will always believe in that these people hired me to protect them. Right. But fuck it. Let's get into it a little bit. Okay, uh, folks, folks, I, I this work- is a decision for Brian that Brian made personally for himself. Just as a disclaimer, uh, this is Brian's experience. Personally, I have nothing to do with this. He's, he wants to do this for a reason as a teaching point to the executive protection agents getting industry so they can understand the reality of the business. So I have nothing, no experience with Brian and with this client. I never worked for that client. And so I just make a disclosure. I, for myself, I, I because I'm still in the street, I will always honor my non-disclosure agreement. But however, Brian's leaving the industry is so totally his call. So I just want to make that disclosure. I, I respect Brian as an industry leader, and he's been through crap. He's seen a lot of crap. And so it's, Brian has the freedom of speech on this platform, and he can say whatever the heck he wants. So with that said, Brian, the floor is yours. I, I only have an NDA, uh, I believe, currently <laughs> with my employer now. Um, Roger that. All, all my past ones are are, are gone. Okay. And uh, so Brian has some stuff to share. <laughs> I got into this industry, uh, believe it or not, off a Craigslist. Wow. 
when, when I made the decision to do this, and I talked to my wife, I was looking for jobs, you know, and, and I figured, okay, maybe I'll go work some, some security stuff and, and see how it is. So I, I applied to a job uh, working night security in um, Calabasas. Got a phone call back, went up and interviewed um, with this company, and uh, I got accepted to the job. I thought it was really weird. Uh, nobody would tell me what I was going to be doing. I think that intrigued me a little bit. Sure. Right? Like, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can, I can go up there. I don't like it. I, <laughs> back. I mean, so I, I started at, I think at eight o'clock at night. I remember it was like during the winter time. So it was dark. Um, and the, uh, the, the guy who owned the company was going to meet me at this house. Yeah. And uh, so I roll up having no idea what I'm going to do. And keep in mind, coming from law enforcement, I'm thinking, you know, God, man, I'm going to go work some night security job. This is, this is kind of silly. Um, he, I, I call him when I get to the gate and they, they put me through and I said, okay, which house is, and he goes, you can't miss it. Uh, it's going to be lit up like, like six flags. The hell am I getting into? So I drive around the corner. I see this house on the, on, on the corner of the street and it is decorated for Christmas. Like, like the Griswold house. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> <Griswold>. ridiculous. <laughs> So I roll up and I'm, I, I see this guy who I did the interview with. He, he walks me through the job. Um, uh, I was doing residential security at, at night at this house. And uh, it ended up being Britney Spears' house. Uh, so I, you know, I thought, okay, that, you know, I, I, I mean, I didn't listen to her music. I don't know who she is really. I've seen her in music videos at the time. I mean, that's about it. And um, so, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, I ended up staying at that, that job for, I don't know, three or four years. Um, and I went from the guy who, you know, walked around her house at night to, uh, predominantly spending my day to day with her for, for three or four years. Um, I did take a break it was a little extreme that account. Uh, and I needed a break. And, um, I, I remember driving home one day and I, I had had it like it that account was a lot. Right. Um, and everybody that, that watches the news, uh, in the last two weeks knows that that account was probably a lot to handle. And, um, I'm driving home and I, I was talking to uh, the guy that owned the company and I was telling him, man, I, I don't know how much longer I can, I can maintain here. And, and he goes, Hey, I got a simple solution for you. I got a, a celebrity going on tour and, uh, you know, you're going to go to Australia, Japan, you know, all these different countries and, and you'd be gone for like six months now. So now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, look, I got some decisions to make. I got to one, tell my wife that two, um, make all those plans to leave for, for that one to go on a tour. I made the decision on the phone right there. I was like, yeah, let, let's do it. Uh, get me out of here. And that folks is where you got to be careful what you wish for. Hmm. Because uh, so many people want to, they're so hungry, they want to make that name for themselves. Immediately, they get in the, on a detail, and they just they're so salivating at the bone to get right. that opportunity, but they haven't paid the price. They don't have those experiences to be successful like you would and get that offer right then and there. And these young guys having not the experience, they may fall flat on their face and make mistakes from day one. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I mean, even for me, I mean, look, I had no international experience at the time. I 
I, uh, when I was with uh, Brittany's team, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, start out as the advanced guy on, on a tour in 2011. And, um, and I loved it. I loved being the advanced guy. That was a, a, a great position when I look back on it. But when you're doing that advanced guy stuff, you know, you're looking at the guys who were with her, you know, one-on-one and you're like, that's the, that's the spot that you want to get to. Right. I mean, that's what Bob's about. Um, then I went on tour, Nicki Minaj and man, I wish I'd been that advanced guy again on Britney's tour. You know, I, I was so, uh, like, man, this one-on-one stuff, it's harder than you think. And, and then when you get overseas, it's a lot harder. Right. Um, I quit that tour in China. Um, it's towards the end. I was in the Beijing airport and, uh, she was a very volatile client to work for. And, and I, and I, I quit as soon as I hit us soil. I told her we were done. Um, you told Brittany you broke up with her. I told Nikki we broke up. Oh, Nikki uh, Minaj. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, that's where I say, be careful what you wish for. Right. You know, I left one to go to another and had no idea, uh, how volatile that was going to be, but I gained so much experience, uh, being able to travel, uh, the, you know, the world and, and being an EP agent is priceless. Um, you learn a lot going to a foreign country where nobody speaks, uh, English, you're forced to adapt and overcome, you know, that's what we say in the Marine Corps, right? You adapt and overcome your situation and you make it work if you're successful. Um, I, I actually got put on that tour because a guy, was unable to do his job. Um, so they picked me up. I was lucky enough to get picked up uh, because this guy, you know, didn't take his job seriously. And he had some, some off duty issues. Uh, he had some on duty issues um, and, and they picked me up and put me in the spot. And let me tell you, that was a, a, a no joke tour. I mean, we were busy and running, you know, Japan, Australia, uh, London. We, we were hitting a wide gamut of, of locations that two guys, that's all we had two guys for most of that tour uh, wow. to do that. So we would just, um, you know, we would play leapfrog basically one guy would, there was no hierarchy in the, in the executive protection side of it. You know, we were both eating the same dirt. So it was like, you know, we'd take turns, you stay with her and uh, I'll advance the next location. And we would leapfrog that way. Matter of fact, uh, the, I did that way. He was a great guy. And uh, we would get an arm who was going to do the advanced jobs <laughs> so you could get away from the client. Uh, but uh, it was a good time, but it was a lot of work, uh, a lot more than I had anticipated at the time. Um, and then you of it. There's no, no calling it, you know, in the middle of the job. Um, but it was a good, it was a, it was a good learning experience. And, you know, when I, when I, when I talk about and use somebody's name, I, I, I'm not trying to name drop anything. All of this stuff is out on YouTube. All of this stuff is, you know, social media platform and stuff. Me with these people. Uh, there's no secret to. Yeah. I've seen you on TMZ. You've been everywhere. My, my wife, uh, <laughs> my wife makes jokes about it. You should interview her. She's, she's probably better at this than I am, but um, she used to keep track of me off of TMZ. <laughs> uh, is it so true is it true that britney's team i heard i don't know if this is true but i've heard that a lot of celebrities will have their publicists call the paparazzis ahead of a movement let them know they're showing up is that kind of true they 
they didn't do that with her because we were very guarded um, on that, that account. Obviously from, you know, anybody can surmise from watching the news and stuff that that was a very controlled uh, account. It was um, uh, nothing got done without approval from the very top all the way down to, to me. Right. Um, from the dad down. Right. Right. You didn't make a movement without management being involved in anything. So uh, Jamie was Jamie had really full control of Brittany's management, his, her business and everything under the conservatorship. He, he controlled everything for her. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was the guy, I mean, you know, uh, my personal experience with him, he was a nice guy, uh, that I, I had to deal with him. Uh, and I dealt with him a lot and, um, yeah, but they, it came from the top down, right. You didn't make a movement. They didn't want, I mean, our, our biggest evil in that account was the paparazzi. Um, you know, I've been with clients that have called the paparazzi on, on themselves. Right. Um, which is ridiculous. Uh, how it works. That's how the entertainment works down there. And it, and it causes havoc for you as an EP agent out there working in the field. Right. Like, uh, having somebody call and it's crazy enough, let alone now you got to deal with, they know where you're at and they're coming. Um, and, and getting, navigating that is is an issue but yeah in that account we nobody ever called paparazzi it was uh a very uh try to keep them away but i remember every house that she lived at you know you would drive out and there'd be a line of them uh waiting for for her car to come out uh i used to drive her in in my car uh a lot nobody's nobody's looking for for britney spears and a nissan ultima uh <laughs> come, coming out of a neighborhood right never never I, I had bought this uh, this uh, Nissan Ultima just to do my my driving tune, and it uh, uh, ended up being uh, a big mode of transportation uh, for her. And that car eventually went to my oldest when she got her license. So it was always a big joke. Uh, she would tell her <laughs> friends like, uh, "Yeah, my dad used to drive Britney around in this car. Nobody would ever believe her." Uh, yeah, like Britney Spears in a 2011 Nissan Ultima. Like, yeah, whatever, kid. Uh, but it was true. That's how, you know, that's how we, we protected her from paparazzi a lot, is getting her out of locations and something that you wouldn't expect her to be in. So, you know, they're waiting. They knew the cars that she drove or, or that we drove, uh, that belonged to her. They, they knew her. So, Hey, want to, you want to get to a location without paparazzi? Take your personal car and drive her. In it. Smart move though. Covert. <clears throat> Nobody expected it. No, nobody saw it work. And I remember those days of driving out in, in, in her car and, you know, you just watch them start doing U-turns and they're going to follow you to wherever you're going. And those impressive, man. I, I tell you, if anything that I hate in, in the world is paparazzi guys, they are the worst to me. And really, kind of, who, who wants to do that for a living? These guys would chase us on the freeway. Um, let alone in the middle of downtown LA, it's hard enough to drive down, down there anyway, let alone now you're getting tailed by six cars that just want to get photographs and running up and, you know, trying to get in your window. That was havoc with her. She's the paparazzi queen. Um, and, and dealing with that was, uh, probably the hardest thing in that, that camp for, you know, for us to deal with was the constant surveillance of paparazzi. It's almost weird that they have a surveillance team watching you guys just for media. So they get their, their money in the media photos or videos and sell it to whoever the buyer of that. And that's your own set of problems. 
And then the EP side, social media, you got to watch your client on their social media. If they start checking in and tagging themselves in different locations, boom, you just gave your position away. You, you and how, do you, how, do you, how do you control these influencers in Hollywood, you know? You know, and that, that's something you, you bring that up. To me, that is like the worst thing an EP agent can do is you're out working with a client. You stay off social media platforms. You know, you, you don't want people knowing where you're at. Um, it could be your, your personal Facebook. But you don't tag yourself in locations and, and do stuff like that. I mean, that, that I, see I think. A, I see a couple. One big one guy you probably we both know in Southern California. He takes selfies everywhere he goes, all over the world. And I, I don't say anything. I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to give him that honor because it's dishonorable to the business. But yeah, he'll take pictures of himself somewhere with whatever, whoever his client is. I'm like, really, dude? I know where you're at. If I want to do a hit on you, I got you. There's, there's a lot of those those guys in this industry. I mean, that's the world we live in today, right? Is social yeah. media. Right. And, and everybody wants to put stuff up and, and show stuff. You know, my social media, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do a memory from 10 years ago with me with a client order. But I don't work for that client anymore. Um, right. You know. But and it's my personal page. But yeah, when you're putting it out there to everybody where you're at while you're working, that's an operational risk, uh, in my opinion. Just like any other job, you wouldn't do that in the military. You don't do it, you know, in the law enforcement world. Why would you do it in the executive protection world? Um, well said. You know, get, getting your picture taken while you're out with a client. It, I've never looked for for that before. Uh, there are guys in the industry that want to have their picture taken with a client. Um, I just happened to work for clients where it happened. Um, I had, a uh, one client, uh, that I, I took to Vegas. Um, we were going to a, a casino and before we left, we were talking in a hotel about our daily plans. And when she said that she wanted to go to this, this casino, I asked her, Hey, do you want to go in the front door or do you want to go in the back door? She asked me, what's, what's the back door? I said, well, we're going to go through the, at the kitchen area, we're gonna have to walk by some dumpsters, and we'll come in through the service elevator, and then we'll take you up and and, and get into the casino. And uh, she goes, "Well, let's, let's try that." So we're through with with no issues. And her comment to me later was, "Why has nobody else ever done that for me before?" Wow. Well, because you're usually with guys that want their picture taken with you. Mm. That defeats the whole purpose of true our job. You know, you give them the the different option. Given the option, I don't want to take anybody through the front door. No, never. So, just different. You've you've met those people, and anybody know those people. That it, oh, it's yeah. all about them. It's not about the client, and, and that's the world we live in today. And, and there's nothing you can do about that. So true. So true. Now I think because we've gone through COVID and all that, no one's really not a whole lot of people are doing EP work right now. So everybody's like, well, "What do I do now? How do I make my money? How do I stay relevant?" You know? Yeah, that that's got to be very difficult. I, I'm I'm glad I'm not in the industry. It was hard enough when we were in it. Um, yeah. You know, it, you're always you know people are always looking for that next gig, um, and it was difficult. I, I, I'm sure you you still. I mean, I still get text messages. Back then right. they were you know, coming through all the time. Hey, there's a, uh, a detail here this time paying this much. Uh, and, you know, people were jumping on them left and right. And it was, a uh, people climbing over each other to get to them. I was very fortunate. I didn't 
that. Um, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to have full-time positions um, at both companies that I worked for. I was very uh, grateful for that, uh, especially having a family. But I understand the struggle too. You know, I know the guys that, like I said, one of the guys that is like my mentor in the industry, um, he's the hardest working guy I've ever met. Uh, I met him when um, I was on uh, an account, uh, Johnny Depp's account. Johnny's who I, I ended my celebrity side with. Um, and this guy was the hardest working individual I ever met uh, and still is. And during COVID, he, he changed up the way he did things so he could continue working. Um, but he really is one of the hardest guys, hardest working guys I've ever met. And, and uh, one of the smartest EP guys that I've ever got the pleasure to work with. Um, he's excellent at his job. I can't say enough about the guy, but he was one of those guys. He would work a, a night shift at our gig and then double back in the morning and take somebody somewhere else. Um, and, and just work his life that way. I mean, it was crazy to me watching him, but, uh, he's got a great rep. Um, and you know, when they, they travel overseas, that's the guy that they take. I was fortunate when I started my own detail, when I was working, uh, in the corporate side, uh, he came and worked for me. Did he? Oh, good. And, uh, I, he made it very easy for me and he was, you know, a strong operator. But when he wasn't working for me, he was working for other clients. That's just the way he he is. And, and he always had, you know, his theory kind of was always when you stop responding to those, they're going to stop asking you at some point. True. Good point. Go find somebody and, else. Uh, fill it. He, right. And he wouldn't let that happen. Uh, and again, like I, I, I say it a hundred times, I was very fortunate not have to do that. Um and I couldn't, not with a family. I couldn't have worked all those gigs at once. It, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, what was the big reason for you leaving Brittany? Was it just a, a more balanced, stable life for your kids as they were getting to high school and taking that corporate position? I can't remember if you took on that corporate position you have now or if you, you I think it was a little, little in between there. You decided to leave and you had enough. And you wanted yeah, to balance. So, so the way that worked was uh, actually I had already left her. I had johnny's account uh at the time uh and uh that was starting to ramp a lot of travel coming up and um that's as a, as a family we had to make a decision um that corporate job had presented itself to me and uh i decided to get out at that time it, it was solely to avoid uh traveling for a movie um oh wow because i home for like three and uh it just wasn't an option at, at the time um and I'm, I'm very fortunate that the job that i got i'm still at and uh it's worked out uh yeah that was a that was a tough time because that, that was a great job i loved doing um but it just became unmanageable for me and, and i think you know i know a lot of guys in the industry that you know another guy that i look up to uh as far as his dedication to executive protection and he's single mm -hmm. and that works for him even having conversation with him, he gets burned out on on it right and he doesn't have a family to answer to um but his personal time and his his own relationships with other people and his family um 
you know, it, it's tough on him at times, but he doesn't have the same worries either that I did. And, and he and I worked at, at one account together. Um, and, and he was a, a great operator, but he didn't have the same issues that I had. And I remember the guy that owned that company uh, was uh, another good dude uh, who I think he got frustrated with me a few times because I would have family requests. I would need some time off to go do stuff with my family. And years later, we reconnected and uh, he, he now has a family of his own and understands like, wow, I had no idea what you were going through at the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, the struggle became real for him at some point when he realized, hey, I got two small kids now and, and a wife at home. And uh it changes the ball game of you being gone like that. Absolutely. What was the, um, where were the, what the great, what were the great experience and moments you had with Brittany? There's so many in, in that. Cause you know, I was cutting my teeth on, on this big celebrity. Look, I started with her um, working nights at her house. I didn't even see her for, like four months, um, never saw her. I'd, I'd get there, you know, after dark, I, um, would leave in the morning and, uh, I'd see these guys come in working her, you know, during the day and taking her places and, and I'd hear stories and stuff. And, and I wanted to get to that point and, um, it happened by mistake. Um, somebody couldn't come to work. Oh, wow. And, uh, they, they needed somebody to, to stay. So they asked me to hold over, and if I could go, you know, do this detail with her. And I did. And uh, it, like, you know how it works, right? Uh, and and I've had this, I've seen it a, a, a hundred times. You put a new guy on a detail close to a client, mm -hmm. for whatever reason it is, they don't like that person. Yep. You're done. You're gone. You're not going to see that client again. Um, and, and that's just the way it works. So I had yep. that explained to me, you know, right out of the gate that morning is, Hey, you're going to go do this. And if it doesn't work out, you're, you're kind of done. And I, nope. No union protection, nothing to protect. you. No, I, I was worried like, shit, I gotta, don't, you know, I'm talking to myself. Don't, you know, don't make eye contact. Don't say anything. Don't, you know, don't do anything that'll make the, the client, you know, weary of you. Uh, things went well that day. And, uh, I would say over that next year, um, that was it. I got, I got moved to working days over there. And then within no time we're, you know, I was one-on-one -on -one with her, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, the only experience I, I had those during those four months where I, her, um, the company had another time and, uh, I was with her and, uh, it was Lindsay Lohan. Um, so I would spend time with her. So kind of doing that on the side of, you know, and then working my way up to be, you know, um, with Brittany, uh, those were some crazy days. I bet crazy. can imagine. Did crazy you fly days. on the wall to see what happened? <laughs> I, I, I'll share this. Story, my okay. favorite. Um, how's your Wi-Fi connection over there? What's that? How's your Wi-Fi connection? Uh, is it a problem? It's kind of, of staticky a little bit on our end. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, okay, just check. Before we get into a good story, I don't, want, I don't want the audience to miss it. And the audience, if you're listening, this is Brian Anderson talking. 
Brian Anderson, Marine Corps vet, retired medical cop, did, did a bunch of crazy wild stuff as a police officer. He worked SWAT, and he uh, just told the audience that he, you know, he covered Brittany for uh, quite a while. He mentioned Johnny Depp and then Lindsay Lohan, and Brian is kind of not a, not a tell all, but he's just sharing his experiences with the up and coming male and female executive protect agents. Sorry, I need to get some hot chocolate here so I can talk. So Brian's just trying to give some advice. The reason why he's giving this advice is because he sees the industry going through changes and there's so much the newcomers in the industry don't know. And Brian just wanted to share his experience and knowledge and pass it down to the younger generation that are coming in the EP industry. And uh, there's a lot of things not being taught or, or mentored or coached within these schools. And he feels this is one way to offer advice and to help out the younger generation coming in the, in the industry. It's not to do a tell all or, you know, disclose some confidential information or whatever. Uh, not at all. Brian, you know, respects the family. He respects the client. And if you noticed in the podcast, he has not mentioned the name of any companies. He's we done that for a reason. There's a reason for that. And you can figure that out. So this is Brian Anderson. And if you're just joining us, this is Mark Ledlow of the Fearless Mindset Podcast. And uh, Brian just sharing his journey in the celebrity world in Los Angeles from uh, Marine Corps vet, SWAT team, celebrity protection, which is a totally different animal from corporate security. And uh, if you want to know more, email me, uh, mark at ledlowsecurity.com or check out my website. I have a security company. I service many clients and I have a lot of NDAs, so I'm not allowed to discuss that, but I service clients all around the country and uh, we do that and I do business coaching as well. So uh, with that said, with a little intermission there, Brian, I think you got your Wi-Fi fixed, so feel free to share. All right, so th this this is my favorite story because I was new to the industry, um, very new, uh, <laughs> and uh, I I gotta go, I gotta do a, a a photo shoot with Lindsay at a hotel in L.A. and we go, and there's a lot of drinking involved. There's a lot of things that if anybody knows this shit, this is 2011, so. You know, there was a lot of legal issues and stuff going on. That's all public knowledge and not divulging anything anybody doesn't know about. Um, and uh, I made a suggestion, as you do as an executive protection agent, on advancing the restaurant after the photo shoot to eat at. Nobody wanted to hear any of that. Uh, we got, I won't say an argument, but I, I think I got... Um, I got pushed to the side as the EP guy, you know, like, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. And uh, I don't want you involved in uh, my social life. We're going to go eat at this, this restaurant and hotel and, and you're going to live with it. And matter of fact, I don't even want you sitting near the table. You can stay in the lobby. So, you know, this is my first time dealing with this. I'm a little, I'm a little upset. Like anybody would be like, Oh, jaded, Right. You know? And, uh, and you could even say, maybe I was acting like a baby. Fine. You want to go sit at the table? You want protection? So I'm sitting in the lobby, you know, pouting, uh, not really know how to deal with this. And then I, you know, I came back to my senses a little bit. Right. And uh, I go, hey, you're getting paid for a job. Go, go. If, if that person wants your help or not, go do your job. 
So I look around the corner and uh, I see a guy that's not within the party talking to her. And uh, so I go walking over there, uh, introduce myself uh, and, and tell him, hey, whatever you got going on, it's not wanted here. I could see the distress that she had. And I said, whatever you got, you know, you can take it back to your table and uh, we're good without you being here. Ooh, wow. How'd that go? Not well. Um, <laughs> the guy, guy looks at me and he goes, you don't know what you got yourself into. Um, he goes, I'm going to have my wife come talk to you. And I'm like, eh, whatever, buddy. Uh, you can go have a seat. Enjoy your dinner. Nice talking to you. So I can actually see the relief with her. Uh, I grab a, a seat and I'm sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very uh, odd group of people sitting at the table. You got makeup artists, you got a, a, a celebrity comedian sitting at the table, um, and and the photographer for that day sitting at the table. It, it was about a, a eight to ten group uh, table. Uh, so as I'm sitting there, I see this woman charging over to the table, and I saw actually because it was Kirstie Alley. I didn't know that that was the wife of the guy who I just dismissed and she wants to fist fight me in the restaurant. And the alley wanted to fight you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I stood up and, and she's yelling at me and, and got her, her hands up and it turned into a melee inside this restaurant. And I, I got so many things going on now. I got Kirstie Alley wanting to fight me, which I'm in awe over because I grew up watching Cheers. So I'm like, holy crap, dude, Kirstie Alley is trying to fight me. This is a chick from Cheers. Like, what's going on right now? And then as that's going on, I got this comedian sitting at the table making fat jokes. Um, <laughs> and so it's a comedian that I like. So I'm, I'm actually kind of trying to listen to him, deal with what I got going on. And then at the same time, the makeup artist passes out at the table and falls on the floor. Oh, wow. As all this is going on, the manager comes up and gets behind me and says in my ear, you got to go. Your whole party's got to go. So now I'm coordinating with a driver. I grab my client who tells me the makeup artist has to come with us. So I'm dragging that person with me while all this is going on out to the front. We get into an SUV. The makeup artist needs to throw up. Um <laughs> the driver tells me that's not happening in my car and he wants to stop. And I'm like, we are not stopping. We're getting out of here. We got paparazzi behind us. Um, and he goes, well, you need to figure that out on your, on your end. So I, uh, I got my gear bag in the car, uh, which is a pretty expensive five eleven bag at the time. And, uh, I dumped it out and it became a receptacle for, uh, the makeup artist to throw up in for about 30 minutes on the way home. And, uh, <laughs> I, I successfully got everybody home. Uh, I got my car and I'm driving home. And like, this is my first real EP experience in LA. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, did that just happen? All of that just went down at one time. And yeah, I, I couldn't even like process all of that at once. And I'm like, wow, what did I get myself into with this job? The ability to function in utter chaos. Right. And then it became normal. Uh, it does. Their it, chaos is your new norm in work. And that's during, such a reality. During that time, um, I started taking uh, her, Lindsay, to uh, court a lot in L.A. And 
I remember, you know, I, I went, I picked her up in the morning with the driver. We went to court and it was the first time I ever experienced. We, we pull up. I've never seen that many photographers. I've never seen when I got out of the car and I opened her door, the clicking of camera sounded like gunshots. It was so loud and so many. And, and you're, you're trying to walk through that crowd. Luckily, you know, it's a courthouse. So you have LA County sheriffs that had, you know, uh, pushed a hole through all of that. And, and, you know, people were respecting that, but the sounds of the clicks of the camera uh, are almost indescribable. Um, I'd never seen anything like that. It was uh, crazy at the time. Again, you know, not speaking out of school. I mean, all that stuff is, was on the news every day. Right. And that was the folks, first, <coughs> go ahead. That was the first time my, my, my kid had ever seen me on TV before was, uh, I picked wow. up, I took wow, Lindsay dad. to court. You're with Lindsay. Holy crap, yeah. dad. I, I dropped her off, um, drive back to Orange County, pick up my daughter from school, uh, you know, do the rounds like any parent does get home, turn on the TV. And I'm standing there with my daughter and she's like, is that you on TV? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was interesting. Um, but kind of cool, you know, when you're a dad and, you're, and your kid gets to see you, you know, in that environment. Sure. Uh, they didn't know until later how havoc, how much havoc that that was for me and stuff. But so much. That was, that was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, that's how I cut my teeth. That was like my initial dump you into executive protection and see how you handle it. Um, I actually worked for her quite a few times. Uh, she, you know, we got along, she requested me a couple of times for, for certain gigs. Um, and, uh, that ended just because, you know, it had nothing to do with me. It was, you know, contractual with the company and her management company and stuff like that. But, um, usually the case with these celebrities, the management, their managers don't want to deal with whatever security company is servicing that contract for that client. There was a fallout pricing bill rate whatever it's always pricing dude i'm convinced is it you know i'll I'll tell you when i worked that detail uh we did a music video in la and the production company um you know how that works is you know you got the celebrity they have to have security it's part of the contract that when they're filming and stuff they have security originally provided her with um some off-duty lapd guys uh and gals actually so um I got a very strong opinion on, on that. Um, what is that opinion? Coming from law enforcement, you would think that I would have a different opinion. Because you wear a badge and you protect the day-to-day citizens of whatever city that you live in does not qualify you to be an executive protection agent, a professional executive protection agent. Just because you you got a gun and a badge does not qualify you to do that job. If you've never trained to do that job, uh, been to any kind of schooling, worked with other people, then you can do set security. But to manage a celebrity, I don't think you're qualified unless you've gotten outside training. That's my personal opinion. Uh, people not people carry a badge and a gun that that do it. I just feel that um, I've seen a lot of bad cops in the EP business. Okay, good ones. But my personal experiences was it's guys that are getting free food at the catering truck. And I've actually seen guys stay late on a gig to take the extra food home. 
That's the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen in my time doing this job. Um, so just because you did that job doesn't mean it it qualifies you to do this job, right? You can take a guy off of the street or a guy out of the military and you can train him to, to be an executive protection agent. I have no issues with that. But the, the ego that comes with some of those guys, um, a lot of security companies don't like them. Uh, it's just the way it is. I actually preferred not working with, with some of them um, because it's not the same job. You have to let that job go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and be a different person uh, at the EP job. Um, it's, it's a different mindset. Um, so, you know, that's my opinion on that. But during, during that video shoot, she had uh, some LAPD uh, guys and gals that were protecting her. And then uh, my company got the phone call that they wanted me to come in and, and kind of take that over. Um, so that was right. a huge, that was a huge thing for me at the time, you know, being new sure. in business and uh, uh, it spurred me to, to push harder uh, to be better at my job. You know, if you got somebody calling you and asking you to, to do something, um, yeah, that was a, a big deal for me at the time. And uh, I think that kind of helped push me to, to, you know, started going to extra schools and, and doing different trainings and stuff to be better at what I was doing. Um, the LAPD guys didn't like that too much, but <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, it always seemed like when I was down there trying to break in the industry, I was always competing with retired or active duty cops and being, I was from Oregon. I was a reserve cop up there. I would always get the graveyard shift when nobody could see me. And then later on, I found out if you wanted to have longevity on a detail, the graveyards are the one stage the ship to pick because no one sees you and nobody wants that shift anyway. That is very um, and that's true. Um, a lot of these companies, look, and, and I'm going to say this too. Do you need a CCW to do this job? Nope. Not really. Um, did I have one? Yes. Because you could get more money per hour. With, with that, right? Sure. Um, but, you know, especially back in that time frame, it was hard to get a CCW for a lot of people, right? Sure. You, right. you had to have a cause and, and bodyguarding wasn't really a cause back then. No. Uh, so it made it very difficult, but you could make more money by, by getting one. Um, so that's why I think cops got a lot of work because they could carry off duty. Um make them necessarily good at what they're doing though um and you're right uh you get those graveyard spots but yeah that's a that's a good gig because nobody wants that and and you can maintain uh you know making money by picking up those jobs that nobody wants um i don't recall at any time working with with anybody where there was an active duty cop that was a number one guy for for a celebrity never um, you know, I've worked a lot of accounts where they're the, the, the residential security, um, or they're the number three guy on a detail or something, but, you know, I've never seen it where they're out and, and I'm sure it happens. I'm not saying I, I just, with the, the accounts I was on, I've, I've, I've never seen that. And I know the guys that I, the, the first company that I worked for, they were kind of anti, um, former law enforcement or active duty law enforcement. Uh, he wasn't a fan of, of hiring those guys at all. Uh, the second company I worked for, uh, he was a lot more pro uh, law enforcement. 
And I, I can't say that that was a, a great decision on his, his part with, cause right. he was giving jobs to friends, you know, that he knew and, um, uh, it was a problem, but right.